Amen. Well, again, uh, welcome to Creekside Church. We're so glad that you're here, whether you're here in person or with us online. I uh, just want to bring to your attention a few reminders and announcements. The Haiti trip is uh, still accepting people who are willing to go and, and excited to serve in that way. That is September 30th through October 9th. Please contact Norb or Karen Metzler if you're interested. I know that uh, those that have went in the past, it's been a, a great encouragement and uh, time of service. Also, if you would like to contribute to the memorial for uh, Ruben Martinez, I, I believe today and tomorrow are the last days to do that. So if you're here today, you can drop that off. Otherwise, you can uh, feel free to bring that into the office. So another uh, just quick reminder, housekeeping item, is that um, we've been kind of figuring out the, the best way to uh, do all this, and we appreciate everyone's patience, and I know it, it feels a little strange to have the chairs all spaced out and everything, but when it's time to be dismissed uh, during the final song, uh, just please wait for the ushers to come and release you, and and everyone will be released out the front door. So the back room and the front room. At the end, everyone will be released uh, out the front door. So uh, just wait. Everyone's really excited to visit and see each other again. Just wait till the ushers come and then make your way outside and you can visit outside and uh, that'll help just have a, a good flow of, of people uh, to, to exit the building. So uh, today is Pentecost Sunday. Uh, we're excited for that. Uh, what a great day in, uh, in the church, the beginning of the church. And, uh, and uh, today we also get to celebrate and congratulate all of our graduates. So if you are a graduate, could you just stand up here this morning, all of you graduates who are able to be here, stand up and let's just give them a round of applause. In just a moment, we're going to show a video that, that gives you uh, a little more information about what uh, is going on in the lives of these uh, special graduates. But uh, if you would like to, there's a table out front with uh, baskets where you can drop a card. And that will also be here next week as well. So if you would like to uh, share a gift with one of the graduates, uh, then you can do so at the front. And if you want to stop in during the week, you didn't get a chance to be here in person today, uh, you can have that opportunity as well. So uh, with that, let me say a word of prayer, and then let's uh, show the video for the graduates. Father, thank you for the opportunity to gather this morning in the name of Jesus Christ. Uh, Lord, he deserves all the glory and honor and praise. And we do, do want to pray for each of these graduates, and thank you for uh, a chapter that's closing and, and a new chapter beginning. And we ask that you would be glorified and honored in their lives. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I'm Colin Short. I graduated from Carlisle High School and I will be attending Iowa State this fall. Hello, my name is Caleb Keppel. I am graduating from Des Moines North High School and my future plans are to go into the service. Good morning Creekside, my name is Rose Vanderlinden. I graduated from Des Moines Christian and I plan to attend Iowa State University this fall. Brooke and Aaron here. Uh, I graduated from Iowa State with a bachelor's in forestry and an option in urban. Um, I was lucky enough to land a job with Davy Tree and I'll be stationed out of Fort Dodge. 
I graduated Drake University with a Bachelor's of Music with an electives in business and I will be returning to Drake in the fall to finish my performance major and I will also be marrying this guy yeah. in October. Um, other than that, uh, plans for grad school and that's it. Hi, I'm Brandon and I graduated from Iowa State with a degree in civil engineering and um, after this, I am starting a job in Des Moines working for Pelts Engineering. Hello, my name is Marley Grubb and I recently graduated from DMAC with my liberal arts degree and I plan on transferring to Iowa State in the fall and majoring in accounting. This is Doug Elric. Uh, just uh, graduated with my PhD in education from Iowa State University. Um, been attending there since uh, 2014, so it's been kind of a long process. I had just done my master's just before that, so, um, and it's kind of starting a second career. I've been teaching at DMAC now for two years after 20-some uh, years as a forensic scientist and teaching part-time at University of South Florida. So I want to thank uh, everyone for the prayers that you've given me throughout this process and uh, um, your patience and, uh, again, um, just thank you all. Yeah. yeah. Go ahead and give it up for our graduates. That's great. And it's really kind of a melodramatic or kind of a letdown, you know, when you think about all of the effort and energy and time that has gone into what these graduates have accomplished. And then, you know, we kind of go, oh, okay. Yeah, thanks. Good job. But uh, they know, and everybody else knows, and different degrees of effort and energy that's been put into it. But good for you for persevering and pressing ahead to achieve that goal that you have achieved. And so we're grateful for you, thankful. I don't know, now we, we have a, a new doctor in the house, so we might have to start calling Dr. Doug uh, because uh, he's... Uh, professor now officially so he's a he's a doctor of not medicine don't go up and ask him about your aches and pains because he's not going to be able to help you much with that but uh, I'd invite you to pray with me if you would as we continue to worship the Lord Father we are so grateful for each one of these graduates and their families we thank you for your faithfulness to them your grace in their lives and for their testimonies for their participation in our church family for a chance for us to be part of the body of Christ together pray that you'd bless and enrich and encourage them in the endeavors that they are heading into now after graduation pray now father that as we continue to worship you that you would receive from us your worship in spirit and in truth and I pray that your word would have its way in our hearts, that you would work in us to teach us, to train us, to mold us, to shape us, that you'd work in us to conform us into the image of Christ and those who are not trusting in Christ, that you'd work in our hearts to convert us, that we might become your children, Heavenly Father. We pray it in Christ's name. Amen. Well, every day, I guess I assume this because I'm not watching 
a lot of uh, regular media, but every day on the radio and on, in newspapers and on TV, audiences are bombarded with the latest and the greatest in weight loss techniques. What can they do to lose weight in a way that everybody will notice? You have people like Marie Osmond, who is promoting Nutrisystems. You know, that's a weight loss system. Then you have people like Halle Berry, a movie actress who's touting the benefits of the keto diet. Jimmy Kimmel, he has some plan that he was on. It's not a regular thing. I think he fasted for two days a week for a long time, lost a bunch of weight. Now he eats 500 calories a day for a couple days, and then every day of the week after that, he eats whatever he wants. So there, there you go. And we have a whole industry in the United States, maybe it's around the world, we have a whole industry that is promoting how you can lose weight, and predominantly so everybody will see, you know, so we can be noticed by men. In fact, there has actually been, up until recently, a TV show, reality TV show. You see a picture of it in the bottom uh, of your screen. There it is. Biggest Losers. What a name. Biggest Losers, you know. Instead of the biggest winners, the biggest losers. As a reality TV show. So what I, I say all that because I want you to know that culturally, in the United States, at least, maybe it's not everywhere else, but culturally, fasting from food is acceptable if you're doing so to lose weight or to improve your health. Pretty much, okay? But fasting from food, abstaining from food or drink or whatever for religious reasons is culturally weird. You know, it's just like it's, it's not something that, that is, is known. In our post-Christian culture, it's all but eliminated from the church, from our consciousness, and from our conduct. And so why would we expect that people in the world would understand or think about it at all? And so when we think about the cultural and the Christian baggage surrounding abstaining from food or drink or abstaining from anything for religious purposes, there's no wonder that when we come to a passage like Matthew chapter 6, verses 16 through 18, that people would say, so what does this have to do with me? Why do I care when Jesus talks about fasting? Well, I would suggest that irrelevance is not the case with this passage. This passage has very true relevance for us in our day. We come, as we are marching through the book of Matthew, to chapter 6, verses 16 through 18, to the third illustration that Jesus gives of this principle, this principle that we are living to live righteously in the presence of God, that if we're really living righteously, we're doing so for His eyes only. That practices of righteousness are for Him and for Him alone. And so this third illustration has to do with fasting. It's for His eyes only. We've seen that giving and we've seen that praying are to be done for His eyes only. Now we see that fasting is for the audience of one. And so we come to this Matthew chapter 6, verses 16, 16 8 through 18, and it highlights for us these contrasting forms of fasting, which prove that true righteousness manifests itself in fasting 
for his eyes only. I have my Bible open to Matthew chapter 6, verses 16 through 18. I'd appreciate it if you would open your Bible or turn in your flip to your device or your phone or wherever your Bible app is. You can get to Matthew chapter 6, verses 16 through 18. I'm going to read the text and then we'll look at these two contrasting principles. Jesus said this, And whenever you fast, do not put on a gloomy face as the hypocrites do, for they neglect their appearance in order to be seen fasting by men. But you, when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face, so that you may not be seen fasting by men, but by your Father who is in secret, and your Father who is in secret will repay you. I skipped over the part about truly they will have their reward if they fast before men. That's in verse 16, or verse 17, yeah, 16, I guess. They have their reward. So the contrast is if you fast to be seen by men, you get your reward. And we'll talk about what that is. If you fast in secret, then you're truly righteous and you'll receive your reward from the Lord. First of all, let's look at what we're supposed to avoid. The first form of fasting, we're to, we're to avoid fasting which highlights our activity. So that's the, the point here, right? We're supposed to avoid what draws attention to ourselves. We're supposed to adopt what is hidden from other people. Okay? So first of all, we're supposed to avoid fasting which highlights our activity. And there's a couple of considerations. I want to talk a little bit about fasting. Fast facts, if you will, quote unquote, fast facts. Fasting facts. What is, it, what is it about fasting? Well, first of all, consider fasting in the Old Testament. In the Old Testament, there were maybe more reasons than this, but I'm going to give you three reasons that people fasted. First of all, they fasted because it was a requirement. In Leviticus chapter 16, on the Day of Atonement, they were required to fast. Secondly, fasting was voluntary. Fasting and prayer, and I would say this, most of the time fasting and prayer go together. It's not just fasting, it's fasting and prayer. They took place in times of distress, times of discouragement, and times of danger. So it's kind of a, a self-humiliation. It's kind of you humiliate yourself before God, and it's often coupled with some important request that we would give to God. And it's designed to, to get His attention. God, I need your attention. It's designed to keep Him from meeting out or putting out his punishment, his wrath, to avert his wrath. You think about passage in uh, 2 Kings or 2 Samuel chapter 12 verses 16 and following when David was told that his son by Bathsheba was going to die. What did he do? He fasted and prayed. He sought God, God's favor for, for a, a particular request. And so when, when they were fasting in the Old Testament, they wanted to get God's attention, they wanted to avert His wrath, and they wanted to get His answer to a particular request. I think about Nehemiah, when Nehemiah was getting ready to go before the king and ask permission to go back to Jerusalem, what did he do? He fasted and prayed, in Nehemiah chapter 1, verse 4. And oftentimes there was sorrow and penitence, they knew that they were sinful and wicked. And so you see... That played out in Jonah, chapter 3. I mean, Jonah goes to Nineveh, proclaims, you know, you're going to be a three, you're going you're gonna to get the God's wrath, and then they fasted, and they turned to God, okay? 
Um, so there's this humiliation thing. There's this uh, putting yourself down and calling on God. Quite the opposite of what most people are into these days. And think about what's been happening recently in just the United States. With the coronavirus, I had, uh, went online in Chicago. They had a protest all over across America. A week ago, they were having protests, okay? So you see this protest in Chicago. What are they protesting? Well, the restrictions from COVID-19 that have been placed on them. They're trying to get an audience. Well, I thought more recently, what's been happening in our countries, the major cities in our country, all these protests? Protests with rioting and looting. Is this about humiliation? No. <laughs> it's about pride. Hubris. Pride. There, there's no sense of remorse. No. There's rage. There's no sense of repentance. It's open rebellion. So fasting, even in the Old Testament, even in the New Testament, is something that is done by people who understand who they are before God. It's not touting our own selves. Then finally, there is, first of all, there is required fasting, then, there's or then there is this voluntary fasting, and either one of those two forms could be what I've included in the third one, which is hypocritical fasting. Fasting that's done to obligate God. Okay? And we see that in Isaiah chapter 58. They were trying to get, make God do something just because they fasted. Verses 3 through 8. Or to obtain favor from God. Oh, well, I'll do this, and God will be favorable to me. That's the kind of thing that we see if we looked at that Jesus was condemning in Matthew 6, that they were just trying to get, get God's favor. Okay? So that's fasting in the Old Testament, fly over. Fasting in the New Testament. Well, this may surprise you, but as far as I know, there's no command that we fast in the New Testament. Okay? There's an expectation of it. You see it in the text, just like we've seen in the other one. There's an expectation that, that people would fast. Jesus fasted. We know that. Matthew chapter 4, he went out into the wilderness. He was fasting for 40 days, okay, and praying for 40 days. He fasted. And he expects his disciples to fast. In Matthew chapter uh, 9, he says, when you fast... But when you, when you fast, it says here in 6.16 that he expects us to fast. And then in Matthew chapter 9, he stated that when the bridegroom is gone, his disciples will fast. So there is this expectation that his disciples would fast. The Pharisees fasted. You can write Luke chapter 18. And some of you know that passage. They, they, they pride themselves in their fasting. They fasted twice a week. And they fasted twice a week. And they, they erroneously taught that the act of fasting itself had value and would please God. So all you have to do is fast, Does it, irregardless of your heart. doesn't matter what's in your heart. doesn't matter why you do it. You just go through the motion and you get God's acceptance. No, that's not what God wants, but that's what they thought. So when you think about this whole text of Matthew chapter 6, when we started, we talked about giving, Matthew chapter 6, verses 1 through 4. And then we talked about prayer. And now we, talked about, we talk about fasting. In all of these things, these are three of the most important spiritual practices for the New Testament. The most important religious activities they could involve themselves in. Well, a farmer, three important things that a farmer does is he, he plants, he cultivates, and he harvests. 
Three important things that, that followers of, of God did and do today is to give, to pray, and then to fast. Okay? The apostles fasted as a regular part of their life. And they, they fasted when they faced an important decision or a difficult choice, a difficult thing, that, a situation, to gain confirmation from God. In Acts chapter 13, they, they, they were praying and fasting, the leader's word, and God said, set apart for us Paul and Barnabas. And then they, they continued, and, and through their prayer and fasting, God confirmed that these guys were the ones to be sent out. So in times of important decisions, and to get God's direction, they fasted. So fasting was taught in the New Testament. It was valued and appreciated all throughout history of the church. So this is like not something we talk about much, but it's something that was practiced and was engaged in. So is fasting for us? We see in the Old Testament, we see in the New Testament. What about us? What does it mean? Well, originally fasting meant to abstain from food and drink, okay? For some spiritual purpose, not just not for weight loss, okay? That, that, that was not the thing for them. It was for spiritual purposes. It was an act of renouncing ourself, of self-discipline, okay? That was intended, if we go through this self-discipline, we're intended to concentrate our attention on God. That's why they did it. They did it to communicate the degree of their sincerity and of their devotion. I'm, I'm abstaining from these things, focusing on God so that God knows that I am really serious. I'm going to sacrifice all this other stuff so that God knows that I'm focused on Him. And then to call upon Him to act favorably. God, I need your protection. God, I want your direction. God, I'm asking you to work to bring about intervention in some situation. Our fasting it may be abstaining from food or drink. Could be. Or could be abstaining from some other legitimate activity simply because we want to concentrate our focus on God. We want to communicate to Him our devotion and sincerity. And we want to call upon Him to do something. You know, we may abstain from, oh, far be it from us, Instagram or Twitter or uh, Snapchat or Facebook, or some other social media platform. We may abstain from TV or a particular TV program or a thing, or we may abstain from exercise or leisure or whatever it happens to be. We could abstain from those things. I'd just like to submit this, that Paul said in, uh, in 1 Timothy that we, we are to train ourselves for the purpose of godliness. And as people were serious about our walk with God, we train ourselves through engagement in certain spiritual practices like prayer and Bible study and giving and serving on a consistent, regular basis. We're, we're to be engaged in these activities to train ourselves. I was walking with our daughter the other day. We are out for a walk and we talked about this. I said, you know, there's a difference between training and trying. If I have not been running on a regular basis and then I try to run a 5K, I can try as hard as I want, but I'm not going to do very well. But if I have been training, consistently running, then I go out and it's not that difficult. Now, for me it is. Please hear me. I'm not a runner. So for me, uh, I don't run. Uh, 
unless I'm running away from something that I'm scared of. Uh, I, I don't run. Uh, I used to. I used to run up and down the basketball floor. I'd say, I, I don't mind running up and down a basketball floor. I just don't like running to run. Um, but training, you, you put it to whatever you want. You're a, a violinist or a guitarist or a cellist. You practice, you train. You don't just try. I can go up there and try to play a cello. It would be a farce, be a mistake. But when it comes to fasting, fasting is something that God leads us into on an occasional basis because we sense that there is something that we, we are extra sensitive to the needs around us. Some situation that's extraordinary or some unusual circumstance or is an important decision that we're about to make and we sense God's need, a need for God or we, we're sensing a lack of communion from God and we just want to spend some time concentrating on him so those are various reasons that we would i think enter into a time of fasting or a period of fasting i remember uh, a few years ago uh, a church leadership team that i was a part of there was a, a major decision that we were struggling with and so we decided that for a period of weeks every friday we would fast individually not together just individually we would we would spend time fasting and praying asking for God's guidance that's the idea behind it so personally you and I could fast for a variety of reasons we could fast but we don't have to fast if we're considering who we would want to who we would marry <laughs> might be an important decision to get God's confirmation on in deciding about our vocation or a change of vocation. Or perhaps, as I talk to the, you know, think about the graduates here, what's the next step after graduation? Maybe I would want to spend some time, extra concerted time, seeking God's confirmation, God's wisdom, God's direction on those kinds of things. Maybe it's a major purchase. Maybe it's that I need wisdom to be a parent, which what what parent doesn't need God's wisdom, and we might want to go to God in prayer and fasting for that. Or just simply to deepen my communion with God. So there are reasons that, that we would fast. And so I, I'm just going to ask this morning, have you ever thought about fasting? Now, when I say this, some people get this idea about, you know, there's a guy by the name of Bill Bright. He was a started campus crusade for christ and he had did a 40-day fast <laughs> no 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 no. fasting is you're abstaining from something for a short period of time it may be that you decide you're going to skip lunch maybe you're going to skip supper maybe you're just not going to drink mountain dew you know I, it doesn't have to be that complicated and some of you i i mean i know for myself if you're if you're exercising you know, you're using a lot of calories, and so it is a very, very difficult thing to abstain from, you know, and you're young and you're growing, so that's hard. So I'm asking for wisdom, but I'm saying, have you ever thought about it? Because when your stomach starts to rumble <laughs> because you're hungry, but you're choosing to spend time with God, you're communicating to God that He's more important than your gut. And there's something good about that. There can be something good about that. And so I'll consider it. Second aspect that I want to consider under this uh, not 
promoting what will be highlighted is that fasting to attract notice has three distinct, in the text, three distinct and dangerous components. First of all, in verse 16, first part of it, once you look at the practice of forbidden fasting, and whenever you fast, don't put on a gloomy face to be seen by people, you know, a gloomy face like the hypocrites do. And he's thinking, scribes and Pharisees here, you know, don't put on a gloomy face like they do. The, uh, and then he says, to avoid a downcast appearance that would declare to the world, I'm fasting. Now, this is first century, not today. But then it was like if you put on a gloomy face, oh, I, I'm fasting. Well, how, how is it that we communicate to the world that we're, we're suffering, parents? What's the telltale sign to everybody in the house that one child is completely distraught, upset, and frustrated because they can't stay up late, they can't have ice cream, they can't play on their Xbox or whatever. They're distraught. They put on a gloomy face. Right? Well, he's saying the Religious leaders of the day put on a gloomy face to let everybody know that they were fasting. Okay? No, we're not supposed to do it. The downcast appearance, when it talks about a downcast appearance here, it's, uh, it's intended to let the world know that they were unhappy. Actually, the literal word means to disfigure their face. Now, when I think of disfigure, I think again of children. Remember the first time your child tasted something it didn't like, that your child didn't like? You know, maybe it was strawberries or maybe it was something green. Most kids don't like green stuff. So whether it was spinach or broccoli or green beans or whatever, they just kind of pucker their face and it's like really distraught. No, that's not what he's talking about, disfigure your face. What he's talking about, disfigure your face, is that your, your appearance is unrecognizable because they would do things like not shave, not wash, and put on ashes. So that they're like, who's that? They don't recognize them. So that everybody would know that they were fasting, right? Well, that leads us to the purpose of forbidden fasting. At the end of verse 16, he says, in order to be seen fasting by men, okay? In order to be seen. Jesus instructs his followers to abandon any practice that would draw attention to their spiritual activity, okay? any visible practice associated with fasting, to engage in the opposite. You're not trying to draw attention to yourself. I remember as a young boy, my father, and my mom and dad had been to a conference. And in this particular conference, they had seen a former National Football League star named Deacon Jones. And when my dad got back, he says, this guy, you know, he's big six foot six, you know, 260 pound guy, just a mammoth guy. He was wearing a pink suit. A pink suit. Why was he wearing a pink suit? Because he wanted people to know he was there. Stuck out, stuck, stuck out, you know, just like here, he's wearing a yellow jacket, but he, he was getting attention. Okay, and we do that. We dress, we uh, speak, we even engage in spiritual activity 
to be noticed so people will see. Spiritual showmanship that's intended to impress doesn't impress God. It's reprehensible. Fasting is, but you know, he's saying, well, that does have to do with me. I'm not going to walk around with a gloomy face and so everybody will know that I'm fasting. I'm not going to stop shaving so that people will know that I'm fasting. No. It's the point that Jesus is trying to make, I think that it applies to us, is we, that we, we don't do things that would indicate that we are actually engaging in spiritual activity because we're only doing it for God. For example, if I'm going to decide that I'm going to fast, maybe I'm going to skip lunch. Well, I don't schedule a lunch appointment on the day that I'm skipping lunch and go out with a friend or a, a colleague and then let them order food and I just drink water. To be seen, what, what, what's wrong? You're not going to, you know, then, oh, then you got to get, no, just do it some other time. Finally, there's this the prize of forbidden fasting. Truly, I say to you, they have their reward. I have not seen this show very much. I've seen it a couple of times, but uh, America's Got Talent. There's a reality show, America's Got Talent. And some of the people don't have much talent. Uh, you know, but they think they do. And so they go on, America's Got Talent, and they have an audition. And, you know, then Simon says, you're horrible, or something like that. And he's the host of the show, and he tells them that they're not very good. Well, they had their moment in the sun. You know, they got their shining lights, and the video was on them, and they weren't very good. They got their reward. All they got was, you're not very good. Well, Jesus says, if we do our stuff to be seen by men, that's all we get is the recognition of men. So there is this idea that we are supposed to avoid fasting, which highlights our activity. But then secondly, we're to adopt fasting that hides our activity. And amazingly, the hidden fasting has the same three components as fasting that highlights our activity, except for the fact that the substance of them is the polar opposite. Exactly the opposite. We're supposed to be engaged in these same components, but the exact opposite of fasting that highlights our activity. The practice of hidden fasting, verse 17, he says, but when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face. See, opposite of gloomy and sad and unshaven. I mean, I was just thinking, you know, some of our guys until now who've been working at home, have fasted from shaving. I've seen them on Zoom meetings, you know. And they fasted from haircuts. Who is that person? You know, I don't recognize them. Well, their fasting from shaving was not because they were fasting from food, but if they had been clean-shaven, nobody would have known they were fasting from shaving. We fast, we don't hide, we, 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 we do hide our, our fasting. That's the point here. The practice of hidden fasting by instructing his first century followers to anoint their head and wash their face, he advocates for conduct that prevents anybody from knowing what they're doing because it's between them and God. It's not to be advertised. They go about their normal routine. So that's the idea. I don't care whether it's giving. I don't care whether it's praying. I don't care whether it's fasting. It's that we're just living our lives in a normal way that people don't look at us and say, whoa, that's something strange. That they would notice it. You know? 
to avoid being noticed would have meant anointing their head and washing their face, not ashes, so that nobody would know, oh, that person is doing it. So for us, it means we could fast from food or drink and nobody will know us. Notice, if we do it on days that we aren't eating in public, if we do it on vacation, if we fast from our particular radio program or TV show, we do it on vacation. Or maybe it's something that I do as a routine, uh, not now probably, but when you were going to work and coming back from work, maybe there's a show that you listen to. Maybe there's a podcast you listen to. And maybe I'm going to abstain from listening to that show or podcast, or I'm not going to watch this or do, play this video game, but I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to not do it in front of my family. When I go to my room, I'm just not going to do it. Instead of playing a video game, I'm going to read a book, or I'm going to read the Bible, or I'm going to pray. Maybe it's we're going to abstain from certain foods at a certain time when nobody notices. Some of you guys or gals, you get up early in the morning. Who knows what you eat early in the morning? Who knows what you eat late at night? Nobody. So if you abstain from that particular thing early in the morning or late at night when nobody notices, then you've done it in secret. Then I've done it in secret. To intermittently give up something when nobody else notices. Then there's the purpose of hidden fasting, like every other spiritual activity that pleases God. True fasting doesn't seek itself. It's not, what do people think? What are people seeing? Are people noticing me? No, that's not why I do it. That's not why we're supposed to do it. We aren't trying to impress them. Here's the point. Whether it's fasting, giving, praying, or fasting, we're doing it to get close to God and to get to know Him and to serve Him and to honor Him. But notice he says in verse 7, but you, when you fast, anoint, and then verse 18, so that you may not be seen fasting by men, but by your Father. Who's their Father? God's their Father. Because God is the Father of all who are, have faith in Christ. Galatians chapter 3, verse 26 reminds us that it's by faith you are sons of God through faith in Christ. And I just ask you this morning, real point blank, are you a child of God? Is He your Father? Are you personally trusting in His death on the cross, Jesus' death on the cross, as the payment for your sins that you deserve to pay so that you have turned from your sin and trusted in Christ and become one of God's children by faith? If not, I'd invite you to put your trust and your faith in Christ so that you can become one of God's children and you can be in a relationship with Him and have the promise of forgiveness of sins and eternal life the moment you trust Christ. And if you are a child of God, then, hey, giving, praying, fasting in secret for His eyes only is for the purpose of cultivating our relationship with Him. He wants us to be in a deeper communion with Him. He cares about us. God cares about us. And He wants a closer relationship with Him. When I was a young boy, I was going to the YMCA for swimming lessons. And I was to graduate this day with my tadpole badge. I had no idea what that meant other than I 
was able to get wet. I don't know. But I was standing on the, the diving board, the, the low board on the deep end. And I remember standing there looking over on the edge of the pool. My parents were there. And I was so proud and so excited that dad and mom were here to see me jump into the deep end and then somehow, without their help, get to the other side and come out. My concern was for my parents. My concern was for them. I didn't care if anybody else was there. Is that our relationship with our Heavenly Father? It's it's for His eyes only. That I'm living for Him. And I'm serving Him. And I want to honor Him. I want to foster. That's why the giving and the praying and the fasting are to cultivate that relationship with God. The ways that we foster that relationship with our Heavenly Father. I can tell you as a parent of adult children that over the years I've had individual activities that I've done with some of my children, with our children. I've had conversations and activities that we've done, just us. And I've done those with my father. And those are the most special times. That's what God, our Heavenly Father, desires from us. Just a special time with Him. Then we see the prize of hidden fasting. And your father, who is in secret, who sees in secret, will reward you, will repay you. One of the mysteries of engaging in these spiritual activities for his eyes only is there, there's, oftentimes there's no immediate reward. There's no immediate result. It's like you're just doing it, right? And you don't get any, whereas if you, if you do it before men, yeah, well, that was a very, very impressive prayer, Pastor. So? That, oh, you, you're a very spiritual person, you know. And like, no. This is not, the, we do it for God. And what is the benefit? The benefit is it's a requirement of faith. We walk by faith. And we do this. There's no tangible, immediate tangible reward. It's, it's not like if I put in an extra eight-hour day at work and get on a weekend, I get double time. I, got, I get double time. Woo! And then when I get my paycheck, there it is. I got extra pay. No, that's not how it is with God necessarily. So Why? Why is it that we engage in these? What is the repayment? The repayment is communion with God. Revelation chapter 3, verse 20. To the church of Laodicea, he says, it's interesting, he says that they, they, should, they should buy gold from him. And they should buy white garments from him. And that they should buy eye salve from him. Revelation chapter 3, verse 19. And it's like, what in the world? Or why are they doing that? Because it's a demonstration of their repentance and their desire for communion with God. And then he says in Revelation verse 3, 20, 3, verse 20, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in to him and dine with him and he with me. You know, one of the things we miss about this social distancing is we can't sit and have fellowship with each other. I can't, I can't sit and over a meal and discuss, how's your life? What are you struggling with? What are you rejoicing in? Oh, I can call you on the phone. I can do a Zoom meeting. But it's not the same. We can commune with our Heavenly Father. So one of those benefits is repayments is communion. 
Another one of those repay, uh, ways he repays us. And when I say repay, I don't mean that somehow God owes us. Okay, that's not it. It's a reward. It's him giving. And one of those, the second one is concrete answers to prayer. This is a prayer and fasting. There's concrete answers to prayer. In 1 John chapter 5, verse 14, he says, This is the confidence that we have before him, that if we ask anything according to his will, we know that he hears us. And we know that if he hears us in the requests we ask of him, we know that he will give us that request. I don't know about you, but you want wisdom, want insight on what my career choice should be, what I should be doing now with my life, my vocation, how to raise my children. I want wisdom and insight and desire for people to come to faith in Jesus. People that I know, people in my family, people in my friend group, people in my neighborhood. I want judgment to be averted. I would like a change in my health condition. I'd like reconciliation with me and one of my children or one of my family members or one of these people that I know. I want confirmation or clarification that I'm on the right path. Well, if we pray anything according to His will, He hears us. God doesn't want, he's not up there sitting there waiting there. Oh, well, I'm just going to, I'm going to hold out on him for a while. He's not capricious. He's caring and loving and gracious. And then the third way, at least, that I came up with is that there's coming blessing. I mean, that's a guarantee in 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 3 through 3 and 4. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance that's incorruptible, undefiled, that fades not away, that's reserved in heaven for us. That's guaranteed. So the problem is right now, we, we know that one's guaranteed, but the other ones we don't have so much confidence in sometimes. That's what God calls us to. Fasting. So you may be here this morning, or you may be listening online, you say, well, I'm not really a Christian, I, I think it's kind of interesting, or maybe I'm curious, maybe I'm seeking it out, and you say in your mind, and I've said this before, you say, I, yeah, okay, you've been talking about giving and not doing that to be seen by man, and praying and not to be doing that to be seen by man, and now you're talking about this thing that's kind of odd, fasting, and not to do that to be seen by men, and quite frankly, I know some Christians, and they're actually hypocrites, because they do that stuff just to be seen by men while they're still living in sin. And I've said this before, I'll say it again to you who are listening and have that mindset. I would challenge you not to let our imperfect reflection of Christ turn you off to the reality of your need for Jesus. I mean, look, you're an imperfect person too. The difference is, I am not perfect, okay? I'm not sinless. We are not sinless, but we are saved from the consequence of our sin. We're not perfect, but we are pardoned, and we would want that for you. So take a look in the mirror and say, look, are you living a perfect life? Are you honoring God with all of who you are, or are you living in rebellion against Him? And your rebellion deserves His judgment and His wrath, and we don't want you to suffer that. You won't be a perfect person after you put your faith or trust in Christ either, but He's in the process of conforming us. We're in process. We would want you to know that your sin condemns you. The wage of sin is death. 
But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. If you put your trust and your faith in Christ, you'll be forgiven and have the promise of eternal life. He Himself bore our sins in His own body on the cross, the Bible says, that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By His wounds we're healed. You'll gain new life. If you're a believer, think about it. Okay, here's the summary. Giving, praying, fasting. They're just spiritual exercises, spiritual workouts, if you will, that will help us illustrate the practice that these practices and all other spiritual practices are subject to hypocrisy. I mean, think about it. We're supposed to give, we're supposed to serve, we're supposed to love, we're supposed to, we can do all that for the wrong reason. We need the Lord. Help us, Lord Jesus, to understand any religious activity we gauge in selfishly so that others will notice me, Anything we engage in legalistically so that God should be impressed or that we do manipulatively so that God is obligated now to do something for me is hypocrisy. And that's not what God wants. He calls us to a superior righteousness that comes from a changed heart so that we do these things out of devotion, not duty. That's what God calls us to. That's what God wants for us. So, hey, seek first. We're getting there, Matthew 6, 33. The kingdom of God and His righteousness and all these things will be, all that we need will be added. So here's the challenge for you and me. Let's examine ourselves. And I'm trying to do this. Consider, am I promoting myself in my practices of piety, in my prayer life, in my giving, my fasting, in my serving, in my loving? Am I promoting myself or am I promoting God? Or only pretending to be spiritual? So, think about it. Consider that. And then confess. Okay, Lord, any hypocrisy I see, I want to confess it. And then realize, rest in the fact that you're His child. And that He loves you. And He's not abandoning you. And He cares for us. And He wants us to know that we are His children. And then come, commit ourselves. Okay, Lord, by your grace, I'm going to seek to live and practice righteousness for your eyes only. I'm going to try to be more conscious. Help me to be more conscious in my giving to do so for you. Be more conscious in my prayer life to do so for you, even when I'm praying in public. And you know, in a moment or two, we're going to take communion, and we're going to do that in public. Right? Well, you just got done talking about private Religious practice. Well, we're commanded. So in the public practice of it, we can still be privately doing it before God. You see, righteousness before God, first of all, is possessed by those who are trusting in Christ as the Lord and Savior, who receive by faith. It's possessed. But then it's practiced. What we have declared actually is demonstrated when we live by faith, when we practice our righteousness before God in His eyes only. And when we take these elements, we're only remembering that we are His possession by faith, His body broken, His blood shed, that we might become His children. And that He might give us the grace and the strength to practice our righteousness before Him and not men. And so if you're here this morning, you're listening online, and you're a child of God, we invite you 
during the time when, uh, after I pray, when Alan uh, is playing, to search your heart, and then it, whenever you feel led, to take the elements and celebrate the gift of salvation through faith in Christ. Let's pray. Father, I thank you so much for your love. And Lord, this is a hard passage uh, for me, for all of us to really connect with, but I ask that you'd help us to see that it's all about understanding what it means to demonstrate our concentration on our relationship with you, what it means to come to you and acknowledge that we need you, that we're seeking you and letting you know how serious we are about our devotion and sincerity of our hearts to you, and that it's also about calling on you because we are dependent people. I pray, dear Father, that as we examine our hearts, that you'd make known to us sin in our lives, that we can repent and be restored into fellowship with you, and that we can, by your grace, be further down the road of practicing our righteousness before you and not men. We pray in Jesus' name.